why does the local church matter? Um, when Nicole was in high school, she, she was doing algebra too. And she came back and she said, Dad, can you help me? And I was like, I aced algebra. Psh, bring it, bring it. I'll help you. And uh, she showed me the first couple. And I was like, well, this is easy. What you do is... Um, Mm. I said, bring me your textbook, let me just read it, I read the textbook. Yeah, I don't know what you're supposed to do here, babe, you go, go ask your teacher. Now I want you to imagine, she had a math teacher who, she, who really liked her and she really liked, and the math teacher said to her, you mean your dad can't explain this to you? You should come and live with me. Because I can teach you this algebra. And when I'm finished with you, you'll be the algebra whiz in the world. And imagine if she goes, yeah, you're right. I, I, yeah, my parents don't know algebra. I'm going to come live with you. Now, imagine that teacher said that, you know what's really good to help with algebra? If you just smoke a little pot and you drink a little alcohol, and it'll expand your mind, and that'll be really good. People go, of course she shouldn't do that. But imagine the teacher's none of that. The teacher's in every other respect, very upright, and, and, and she goes, but you should leave your parents and come to me because I'll teach you this. And in that area, specifically, probably be better for her to go be, live with the algebra teacher. But in every other aspect of her life, it's way better for her to stay with her parents. Now, whether you're aware of it or not, currently, there is a massive attack on the family, on the nuclear family and on the family of God. There is an attack against the way God structured family and he structured local church. There's a pushback against it. And the, the, the lie that is being floated is, listen, that's all wrong. The way the traditional family and traditional local church, that's all wrong. Let's just disband that. And we're going to start a new whiz-bang. Oh, it's so amazing. You're not going to believe how good this is. Your algebra is going to fly. I want to talk about local church and why it matters. Why does local church matter? When I started Bible college, I set my heart on being a Bible teacher because I knew a couple of world famous, world recognized Bible teachers. And they used to travel to conferences and large churches and you know, preach and then go into the green room and then fly out. And I think, man, that's the life. That's the life for me. And I went to, um, it wasn't that I didn't love people or wanted to be with them. I just thought, man, this is the maximum use of my gifting. I come in, I teach, because I didn't feel like I'm, a, I'm the best counselor. You know, I'm far too directive to be a good counselor, they tell me. People come in and say, what's the problem? I go, you the problem, fix it. You know, like, it's not a good counseling. So I'm a, I'm a better teacher than a counselor. So I was like, yeah, I, can, I, I don't want to do that whole counseling thing. So I might end up hurting people. So I had this thing, I'm going to be a Bible teacher. That's my calling in life. And we had a, one of my spiritual fathers was a prophet. And uh, I was engaged to Michelle at the time. I went in and he said, the Lord says to you, you've said in your heart, I will be a Bible teacher. But the Lord says, no. I was ticked with him. He said, oh, no, I've given you a shepherd's heart. And I was ticked. And he said to Michelle, and the way you, you sing to the Lord uh, often, I'm going to cause you to prophesy in song. And, and I was, ah, 
got in the car, I said to Michelle, what? He completely missed us. Because I'd, I'd never heard Michelle sing to that date. And she said, yeah. I go, he said, you're gonna, you sing to the Lord often. She goes, yeah, I do. Gosh, now I was stuck. <laughs> but a grand passion for God's people in local churches started to take root in my heart. And it's been 37 years now of us giving our lives to see the local church built. And I'm stuck. I've, I'm lost. I've lost my heart to the local church and to God's expression of his body on the earth. And, and we're, we're incurably in. And I, and I can't apologize for that. And I'm just like passionate about local churches. See, it's, it's one thing to be able to teach people. It's another thing to be able to have people be able to examine your life and live with them and care with them and watch over their lives. It's a very, very different picture. Paul said in Thessalonians 2, brothers, we loved you so much that we were willing to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. See, I was always up for sharing the gospel. And then the Lord made me realize, no, I don't just want you to share truth. I want you to share your life. I want you to be part of people's lives. I want you to watch over them. I want you to share earnest counsel with them. I want you to pray for them. I want your life to be burdened by the, the needs of other people around you. It's not just about declaring truth. It's about walking with people who are struggling with that truth. Amen? Because there is nothing as beautiful or as powerful as the local church when it works like it should. There is nothing as beautiful or as powerful as the local church when it works like it has. See, God had a dream. He wanted to kill off the sinful nature in mankind. He wanted to wash us clean. He wanted to give us rebirth into the image of Jesus. He wanted to emancipate us from religion. He wanted to fill us with his spirit. He wanted to lead us and disciple us through Holy Spirit appointed and trusted servants to serve us and to help us grow. He wanted us discipled and trained and taught how to love one another. And then he wanted to send us out into all the world to show that to the people. It's God's great dream. And this dream, these people that he wants to do, he called them the ecclesia, the, 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 the called out ones. Ecclesia is a Greek word for church, it's translated in English. But ecclesia comes from two Greek words, ek, out of, and kaleo, to be called, the called out ones. This group of people who are a special gathering for a specific purpose. And many people have jumped on this idea of ecclesia in recent years and have pressed this idea that, we can just run out and just a few of us and we, we can gather together because they take the scripture where two or three gathered, there I am with you. And they go, well, where are the called out ones? If there's just two or three of us, we can run a church. This is the church. And I go, yeah, that's a, a, a minute expression of one aspect of the church. But when you see that initial expression, you, you see all over the world when there's a group of people who are called out as believers, they very soon come under the oversight of a team of Holy Spirit-appointed leaders. That's the pattern of the Scriptures. And those leaders who are, understand that they're appointed by the Holy Spirit know that they must give an account for the people that He's put them over. It's not whimsical. You don't get to choose yourself. I think I'll be the leader today. That's not how this works. 
And this is the pattern all over the New Testament. Then when groups of believers started to gather, the apostles appointed elders to watch over them. And those elders were joined very soon by a group of deacons who kept them together and kept them encouraged. And God calls that leadership team to live exemplary lives in front of the people, visible to the people. And he calls them to live as examples. And then he calls the people to emulate, to imitate their example. That's the church. And they do life together. And they break bread. They eat meals together. The great tradition of the love feasts of the church is one of the richest traditions that we have. Believers who love one another, who are doing life together, eating together in celebration of what the Lord did for them. That expression of the kingdom has been going on for thousands of years all over the world at many different times. And there's something profoundly beautiful about it. There's nothing as beautiful or as powerful as the local church when it works like it should. Now there's quite a bit of noise in the air right now because there's this attack on the local family and the local church. Conflicting ideas about how the church should be or how it could be and we should, we should do away with the church as it exists and we can make a new thing. There's some voices calling for the deconstruction of the church. But let me state my clarity here. I believe in the local church. There's nothing like it in all the world when it works like it should. It's the hope of the world and it's the mechanism that God uses to reveal his wisdom. It's the best way for us to fulfill the Great Commission. This is how they did it in the book of Acts. Jesus said, go out into all the world. And Paul and Barnabas went out and they planted churches. And they planted another church. And they came back and they appointed elders for those churches. And then those churches grew people up and discipled and trained people and launched them out. And they planted churches. The greatest single power that moves the gospel forward is a local church who works like it should. It's the greatest life delivery system. It's the most effective encouragement delivering tool. It's the most convenient way to love one another deeply. So I want to talk just a little bit about four reasons why I believe local church is imperative and coming together in a space. Number one, it's biblically mandated. The Bible requires us to do it. This is not vague in the scriptures. It's like, like, what did Jesus actually, what did the disciples actually say? Acts 2, the example. Every day, they continued to meet together. In the temple courts, now let me just say, there were at least 3,000 added to the church on the first day, day one. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, the scripture says. A few months later, another 5,000 were added. This They continued to meet together daily in the courts, in the temple courts. Solomon's colonnade was a large outdoor arena outside the temple. It could house five to 8,000 people. This was not a small meeting, right? And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There were massive group meetings and there were meetings in homes. Both the massive group meeting and the home meetings were in visible sight of the people that they were trying to reach. 
the community knew that there's a church meeting in that home. That's how later on when Paul is persecuting the church, he goes from house to house. He went, he went after the houses where everybody in the community knew that's the Christian house. That's where they have their meetings. Hebrews 10 says, let's not give up meeting together in person. As some are in the habit of doing. Can I just say, my wife's gonna make small eyes at me for this comment. Can I just say, if you're in the habit of bouncing from church to church, maybe the problem is you. Some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another, all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the scriptural mandates to meet together regularly are everywhere to be found for anybody who wants to hear. Come together to be a visible expression of the body of Christ, to be a visible display of a spiritual temple that's indwelt by God's presence. We owe our city a demonstration of what the kingdom of God looks like in our culture. Let me say that again. We owe the people who live in this area a visible demonstration of what it looks like when people in this area experience the power and the beauty of Jesus. Now here's just a few scriptures. I'm gonna just touch every 10th one to give you a sense of this. John 13, wash one another's feet. Can't do that virtually. <laughs> Up close and stinky. <laughs> Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony. Serve one another in love. When you come together to eat, Wait for one another, 1 Corinthians 11. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, Ephesians 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians 5. Bear with one another, Colossians 3. Forgive whatever grievances you have against one another, Colossians 3. Teach, admonish, encourage, Thessalonians 5, Thessalonians 4, Hebrews 13, encourage, encourage, encourage. Spur one another on, Hebrews 10. James 5, confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other. And the intention of praying for each other in the context of James 5 is with the laying on of hands. 1 Peter 3, live in, in harmony with each other. Use whatever gift you have to serve other people around you. 1 Peter 4, Greet one another with a holy kiss. Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians 13, Romans 16, 1 Peter 5. There is a moment for a pure, honest, affirming greeting. It's good to see you. You have no idea of how much healing that can bring to a lonely soul or to a hurting person. Love one another. And there's 25 scriptures on that. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. 
Romans 12. Let your love increase and overflow for one another. 1 Thessalonians 3. The great flow of New Testament scripture is the anticipation that we come together and there is this massive flow of the life of God through the body of Christ. It is, a, it is an incredibly mistaken idea to think that most of the life of the body comes from the stage. Teaching, instruction, boundaries can come from the stage, but life is when you show up and love people and share and encourage and bear with and be patient and wash one another's feet and greet one another and encourage one another. So why is this so important to you, Greg? There's so many voices calling for a brave new world of expression. And I'm all for, honestly, I'm all for the church expanding into every technological field. I'm so grateful that we have technology. And to the people who are joining us online, I just thank you. Um, there are stories of people out there who, who join us because they aren't able to be with us. And I just wanted to honor you. Thank you. We love having you. Welcome. But if your expression of technology says to people, you don't have to meet locally somewhere, then I'm against that. Because I was recently just sitting with a group of believers and we were having dinner together and they were just sharing their experiences and sharing testimonies and then also real struggles and they had honest questions and all of that together worked to strengthen and encourage and embolden us. We walked out refreshed and blessed because there's nothing as beautiful or as powerful as the local church that works when it should. This Bible requires us to do this. Secondly, it's spiritually necessary. <laughs> Romans 12 says, just as we all have bodies and our bodies are not one part, there's multiple parts in our body and uh, each of us has one body with many members and all these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. In the body of Christ, there is this, in, in the, your body, there is a flow of nutrient that is carried by your bloodstream oxygenation and food and hormones and your whole body needs that constant flow that we can't cut an arm off and say take a week off and come back later no by the time that's dead there, there is a flow of life that happens when we stay together it is spiritually necessary for us to be a group not an individual on Peter 2, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans and chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built together into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When the Bible talks about us being a body, it talks about many different parts and we all need to be together. When it talks about us as a building, it talks about many different stones all knitted together. Because in the body and in the building, the presence of God comes to dwell among us. It's not just the Holy Spirit in you to guide you in your life, but the Holy Spirit among us when we come together, that His presence lives among us. And for that among us, we need to be a body or a building and that 
demonstration of the Spirit of God among us is the testimony to the community that we live in. If the Holy Spirit's leading of me and people around me go, oh, what an outstanding person. That's amazing. That's one thing. I'm not saying don't shine and don't be led by the Holy Spirit. Go into your world and be led by the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you a truth. If we together come together to worship and to bless and to love one another, we form a combined communication to our world. Look at what it's like when God lives with his people. Coming together is spiritually necessary. There are some aspects of your salvation and there are some revelations that God will only release and reveal in community. There are some aspects of our spiritual life that need the pollination of other believers. And so much of the strength of our lives comes from rubbing shoulders with others, gleaning wisdom and laughter and encouragement and anointing and hope and prayer. It comes through other people. The bread of heaven is meant to be shared as we eat together. But three, it's emotionally nourishing. Uh, I don't, in any, in, <laughs> I started looking at medical, uh, t- like, Tests like where people have done studies on the role of people who are separated from community as opposed to people who are in community. And just about anywhere you look in any discipline that has to do with your emotional state, every there's thousands of tests out there. So I, I could, I was like, spoiled for choice. Let me just read you a few. Social isolation's adverse health consequences range from sleeplessness to reduced immune function. Loneliness is is associated with higher anxiety, depression, and suicide rates. Isolation and loneliness are linked to poor cardiovascular health and cognitive function. A study led by an epidemiologist at Newcastle University concluded that deficiencies in social relationships are associated with a higher risk for coronary heart disease and stroke. A study published in the Journals of Gerontology concluded that loneliness was associated with a 40% increase in the risk of dementia. Epidemiology linked social isolation with higher risks of premature mortality. People die younger, they have more dementia, there is more suicide. The CDC points to loneliness as as serious public health risks. But this is the one I, I found interesting. The lack of social connection heightens health risks as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day or having an alcohol use uh, disorder, loneliness and social isolation are twice as harmful to your physical and mental health as obesity. Now, I gotta rush through this because I'm running out of time. I could prove this to you 100 different ways from 100 different studies. Just like your body needs oxygen and nutrition and health and hormones, you need the body of Christ to be emotionally whole. If you're a believer, you need other believers. God has wired you like that. We've had quite a few people come back into the building. We've had some people, you know, who really struggled through the COVID season. COVID hit them really hard. And some people are on the fifth round of COVID and so it's just been tough for a lot of people and, and they've just been struggling and fighting and 
And, uh, you know, if you, if you had COVID and it was easy, then praise God for you. But there are some people that, that COVID really hit, and so just be praying for them. But we've had some people, for various reasons, have not been able to come back. But then when they come back, they walk in the back, then they just start weeping. We've had that testimony so many times. Something goes on. There's a, there's a, there's a healthy vibe among us. Nobody even said anything. Wasn't the, the worship hadn't started. We haven't started preaching. Nobody's, and they just walked in and they just started weeping. It happens often. Number four, it's mentally renewing. Romans says, don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That happens best when we come together. Paul said in Galatians, he said, you know, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles, but then some people came from James, from Jerusalem, from the the Pharisees, and then Peter stopped eating with the Gentiles and started eating only with the Jews. And he said, I saw that that was wrong. And and listen to what he says, Verse 14, when I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Because that's hypocrisy. Hey, Peter, you're being a hypocrite. Stop it. Because he said even Barnabas was led astray by that. And he said, you know, I had to call him out on it. And he did it publicly. Because this lie was slowly creeping into the church. He goes, now hang on now. That's not right. Now, there's some, there's some truth about this because I, I was doing some study and in in, uh, most of the universities, I mean 75 to 90% of the universities have taken their curriculum online and they prefer online because there's a, there's a whole bunch of advantages to online. There's no time travel, uh, you don't have to stay in res, it can be at your schedule, you can pause the lecture, you only pay for what you get personal benefit from, uh, you're able to be much more homogenous um, in other words, you only meet with people who are like-minded with the same interest. Um, but just like online learning, as so also in the church, because the online stats of education and the stats on church attendance and engagement are, are very, very similar. People who choose the in-person option at, at uh, colleges and at churches report a much greater enjoyment. That's between 6 to 15%. Oh, I really enjoyed that much more. But in terms of feeling connected, the in-person attendees poll at numbers 30% higher. Like, I really feel connected here. And then, according to Pew Research Center in 2022, at the end of the year, they did a, a large survey, and they said people who do both, who watch services on screens and who attend in person, overwhelmingly say they prefer going in person. And that's a margin of 76 to 11. And about 14% of people say, it doesn't make any difference to me. About 51% of people who watch only from home do so alone. And about 61% of those who watch from home say they don't really engage in the worship or the prayer or the, you know, obviously not in the laying out of hands. And why is this so important to me? Because I've been places with people and something somebody said. And they weren't even aware they were speaking to me. It just resonated with me. It stayed with me. Just a turn of phrase or something they said just made sense and just connected. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, I'm just going to take that and just connect that with your heart. And it just rang true for me. And I was like, oh, that just realigned my thinking. Oh, that's very helpful. And half the time they, they know they're doing it. Half the time they're not even aware. They just said it and we moved on. Why is it important to me? Because some of the greatest impact in my life, I'm not even sure people are aware of. 
Now, I keep saying there's nothing as beautiful or as powerful as the local church when it works like it should. So the question is, what should a local church look like? Because we can't, we can't move away from the truth that there are some local churches that are not acting like the scripture says they should. Some local churches are preaching legalism. Some local churches are led by people who are not servant leaders. Some local churches are all about theology and they have no power. There's some local churches that hurt people. And so you go, well, my testimony, Greg, isn't that it's been the most beautiful, the most powerful thing. It's been quite hurtful to me, and I understand that. And can I just say on behalf of the church, I really just want to apologize. That oughtn't to have been. But people are involved, and we don't always get it right. But I grieve over church wounds, because they shouldn't be. I grieve over the lack of... Uh, of apology from church leaders. I grieve over church leaders who hurt God's people when they should have been pouring out their lives on behalf. So what should you look for in a local church? Go, okay, Greg. Because when we come together in humility and we're ready to serve one another and we love one another deeply from the heart and God pours out his spirit among us, beautiful healing and restoration and a sense of calling and of launching to ministry happens. Because this dream of God, which was never understood by his enemies and never imagined by people, is that through his church, his profound glory and his many wisdom points should be made manifest on the earth through his church. We're supposed to be a visual representation on earth of what is in heaven. In Ephesians 3, this is what Paul said, although I'm less than the least of all God's people, uh, the, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles, the boundless, or the one version says the unsearchable, the unimaginable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God. This was not a This is a secret that God kept for thousands of years. He wasn't announcing it. It was a. It was Paul says it was a mystery kept hidden in God who created all things. But His intent was that now, through the church. This was always God's intent. The church was always God's dream. When the angels used to ask, how are you going to display your wisdom? Why don't you just show yourself to people? He goes, there's coming a day. There's coming a day when all my wisdom is going to be made manifest on the earth. And the angels say, how's that going to work? He goes, you'll see. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ. His intent was that now, through the church, this is what we should do. So, let's talk about what I'm looking for in a local church. Church doesn't always look like it should Sometimes it's worldly, sometimes it preaches the wrong gospel, sometimes it's powerless but full of theology, religious but without any love, leaders who are cruel or arrogant rather than servants and fathers and mothers. So what should we look for in a church? Well, there's four things. Number one, do they love one another? See, I'm not interested in going to a church where people don't love one another. You can keep your theology if you don't love me. Because Jesus said, John 13, by this, this is the determining factor. By this will all people know that you are my disciples. This, if you love one another, that's it. 
What should the church be doing? We should love one another. So can I just say, we're starting a new year. It's the beginning of August. It's time, new year. Can I just dare you, come to church and come ready to love people. Amen. Come ready to love people. Be kind. So I don't know what to do. Love is patient. Love is kind. Doesn't boast. It's not envious. It's not proud. Just love practically. Be kind. Be patient. Love people. Greet people. Celebrate them. Got to love. Number two, do they preach a gospel of grace or of works? The Bible says Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. You don't have to live under it anymore. Christ saved you so you could be led by his spirit. Galatians 1, Paul said, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of God. And you're turning to a different gospel, which doesn't call you to live in the grace of God, which is really no gospel at all. The true gospel is the one that calls you to live in the grace of God. And in Acts 20, right near the end of his ministry, Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. It's great. What constitutes a, a, a really good church? Are they loving one another? Yes, check. Are they preaching the gospel of God's grace? Yes, check. Great. Number three, are they led by Holy Spirit appointed servant leaders? What does that mean? Well, Paul said, Paul said in, in, in Acts 20, keep watch over yourselves and all of, over all the flock of God of which the Holy Spirit appointed you the leaders. Every leader in the New Testament in the book of Acts was appointed after fasting and prayer by an apostle in Jesus' name by revelation. It wasn't the staff of recognition. Who's come to the most meetings? Who's given the most money? Who's the loudest voice in the room? It was Holy Spirit, who would you have us appoint? Because the Holy Spirit jealously guards who he appoints to lead his people. So that it's not the stuff of recognition, it's the stuff of revelation. Let's let the Holy Spirit choose who he wants to work with so that when he moves in a church, he co-labors with the people that he's appointed. It's not a small issue, this. It's not a, hey, let's all vote. Who's been here the longest? This is about are they led by Holy Spirit appointed servant leaders? Now, I don't know any, any large ministries led by a forceful person. That's just what it takes to lead a large ministry, right? I'm not saying if somebody's got a big personality, they're wrong. No, that's necessary. The bigger the church gets, the more influential the ministry, the more that person has to be a large spirited leader. Don't get threatened by large spirited people. But you can have some large-spirited people who are very humble. And you can have some large-spirited people who are very arrogant. Avoid the arrogant ones. You can have some small-minded people who are very arrogant. Avoid them. Are they led by Holy Spirit-appointed servant leaders? Number four. Is the presence and power of Jesus evident among them. <laughs> Acts 20, Paul. By, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, 
lovers of money, boastful, proud. That's actually not Acts 2, that's 1 Peter 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Right along with lovers of money, boastful, proud, having a form of godliness, denying its power. In Corinthians 4, he said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. In fact, he said to the Corinthians, he said, there's some immorality going on and I'm gonna come there and I'm gonna deal with it. And you say he's, he's forceful in the letter, but he's unimpressive in person. He says, but when I come there, we'll see, we'll talk about who's got power. We'll, we'll make a plan here, we'll see. Where's the power of God flowing? Let's talk about that. Do they love one another? Do they preach a gospel of grace? Or they're led by Holy Spirit-appointed servant leaders. Is the presence and power of Jesus evident among them? Local church is not a machinery that's run by a few skilled people. A local church is made up by you. By people like you who give themselves to be part of a local thing who give themselves to be a visible expression of what it's like when our lives are in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. A visible demonstration to our community of this is how it can be. This is how you can be loved. This is how you can be changed. This is how transformation can happen. This is how bondages will break off your life. This is where you can be forgiven. This is how you can find God. This is how you can be loved. This is how you can find acceptance. This is where you can find a place of acceptance. This is where you can be launched from. And you can't do that alone. We have to do it together. And it needs all of us. So I'm asking you, commit to a local church, to this one. And come and let your heart go to love people and be kind to people. Commit yourself to serve, yeah. Commit yourself to community. Commit yourself financially. Because there's nothing like the local church. Nothing like the local church. When it works like it should. Let's pray together.